Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? One additional note about this particular episode, we spend a great deal of time talking about a buddy monologue, which involves a lot of offensive race-based humor. Uh, None of us discussing this segment are people of color. If this isn't your jam, just skip ahead. That conversation starts at about two and a half minutes in and ends at about ten and a half minutes in, after which we talk about safe topics like 30 Helens and what they agree on. Kith and Tell, the great Canadian journey to define a sketch comedy show from 25 years ago that no one asked for. We'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like, does this hold up? And discussions of which sketches we thought were the best from the episode. I'm joined by Kalina McCordoff in London, England. Right, oh, governor. Oi, 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 oi. Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hi there. And Stuart Derek Kodick, who is joined with me in Vancouver, Canada. Hey. So we'll be reviewing episode two of season one. Uh, So let's kick this off with our sketch rundown. This week we've got uh, the first ever set of 30 Helen's Agree sketches. What do they agree on this time? Uh, Love hurts, honesty is the best policy, and you can't pay too much for a good pair of shoes. Uh, Sketch comedy. One of their first ever fourth wall breaking meta sketches where they roll their eyes and smirk their way through pretending to be Monty Python. (laughs) Cabbage Head on a Date. The first ever Cabbage Head. I wish it was the last. (laughs) Uh, Impromptu Tractor with Kids, which uh, is some kids in a stadium uh, forming the parts of a tractor that Mark pretends to ride. Uh, Sarcastic Guy. He just sounds sarcastic, but he really wants to be your friend and is so lonely. Well done. Oh, that was so good, Trevor! <laughs> Buddy on the races, uh, or does this hold up of the day? And poker game. It's not like at the horse races, nope. just to put it out there for everyone. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and poker game, where the boys discuss what it would like to be a woman and bear a child. Um, so we're going to dive in right to our first section, which is about the aforementioned Buddy on the races, no, it is not about the horse races. Um, and this is probably like the first of like one of the buddy sketches where he just really goes into edgy territory. Um, and, uh, you know, like, like let's just discuss whether or not on balance it, it works or is acceptable today. Uh, Stu, why don't you kick us off? Oh, good. Yeah, this this should be a thing that I feel real comfortable <laughs> soloing. Okay, so why don't you why don't you describe what's going on in this sketch? Fuck. Too? Okay. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so what's going on is Buddy. It's there's so many parts. It's the the premise is Buddy just sits in the corner, and smokes a cigarette and gives a long monologue, espounding racial propaganda. <laughs> um, but no, there's a bit more to it than that because it's. It's edgy humor, and I've been recently watching Andy Kaufman stuff again. I watched Man on the Moon in anticipation of the documentary coming out, and I I can't read it as anything other than the joke is on audience expectations. Because it starts off, he starts off with the the conceit. It goes, we, like, they say that blacks are inferior. That's, like, the first line of this bit. It's a bold first line. Oh, God. And it's not blacks are inferior. It's they say. Like, the whole bit is about the they say. Having said that, 
I have never been good at edgy humor because I am a nervous bundle of mess. So I see how it's funny, but like this is not a thing that is supernatural to me, if that makes sense. So I, I have a couple of thoughts. I think the, the first is that the bald face gay content is really brave for the time, especially in Canada. I saw nothing else like it at the time, and this was on mainstream television. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing that I, I've got to say is, like, I think this might be the first time in history where, like, daytime television had a gay actor playing a gay character, and it wasn't actually, like, the joke was just that he was gay. The joke wasn't that he was gay, or and it wasn't, um, or look, he's so normal, which is a trope we saw afterwards, mm. where it was kind of like, mm. the, the joke is that you think he would be, but he's not. It was just, like, it was just yeah. a character, and it was very character-y. And, it, and, like, and it, the entire bit that he does relies on undermining societal expectations. They say, they say. We hope, at least. Um, we hope. But still, mm. it's super uncomfortable, and I think how well this lands is based largely on the audience. If you're with people who like to kind of laugh at uncomfortable things, like if you're the kind of person who giggles at the Mighty Mouse bit from Andy Kaufman... Mm you'll find this really, really funny. But if you don't get that sometimes the joke is that it's uncomfortable, it's really hard to watch with people. <laughs> you know, the thing that I think I've always struggled with with the buddy character is that I don't know whether I'm just being totally over-the-top PC or whether I'm just not part of the culture, right? Like, you know, is... Or, like, you know, I'm constantly asking myself, like, is this an inside joke about the gay culture of, like, the early 90s and, you know, whether in the... You know, in fact, it just doesn't hold up to our standards of what you can say on mainstream TV now. You know, and I get that it should be celebrated for being unapologetic, but like, why the race gigs? Like, I really was just covering my face the whole time. But should I not have been? Should I find this funny? Should I find this funny? Or is it okay to find this funny? I just, I just honestly don't know how to judge it. I think it. There's there's an element of this that that I you know it's going to be really hard for any of us to to really understand or put a finger on, which is that you know I, there there was I think a very specific culture around kind of that that gay MC in the 80s and 90s that that we just never really saw directly ourselves. So I had a I had a a gay landlord when I was living in Vancouver for a number of years, and he definitely kind of came up through that. And sometimes we would have these conversations, and and he would go for this kind of humor like so often, and it was. And I, and I think it was this kind of transgressive, um, you know, Stu, you call it edgy, but I think in, in many ways they were just trying to kind of, you know, poke at, at things that hurt because there is, there's, there's, there's an element that, that lands for them in that, in, in their gay identity, you know, I, but, but having never experienced that and never having not gone through that culture, it's really hard to kind of from the outside say what that is or, or say whether it lands or not. Um, for me, this sketch is like, it's really, and this sketch and all the sketches uh, that Buddy does that are kind of like it are, are so hard to kind of um, put a pin in because they kind of feel like a Rorschach test for how you approach the question of comedy and issues like racism and sexism and discrimination and things. So, so you know, given that he has mm -hmm. a bunch of kind of, you know, what we would today call progressive jokes kind of sandwiched into, you know, calling people Orientals or, you know, saying like the blacks are this, you know, make me want to think that, you know, that these these the butt of the joke of these these premises are the they say like what you were saying Stu it's not it's not the, the the people that are that are being joked about it's the the people that are they saying these things about them that are that are the joke but 
I can totally understand it if you would interpret it the other way as it's just casual racism. Um, and you'd maybe be just as likely to be right. So um, for this sketch, I try to call it just a wash and, and focus on how groundbreaking it is that Buddy's unapologetically gay lisp is on TV and and uh, then just kind of put my head down and walk away from the rest of it to, to avoid conflict. I also think there's a bit of an interpretation for uh, Buddy to be confronting how people would view a gay man or a uncloseted gay man sort of like, oh my God, he's saying these horrible racist things and sort of the idea that maybe you don't like confronting the notions. Well, and he keeps, he keeps comparing himself and gay people to these, like, you know, to the blacks that he's describing. He's like, well, they're more promiscuous. Well, I guess I'm black. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of, that's like, I can see where he's going or I feel like I can see where he's going and it, it doesn't like land as well nowadays as it maybe did back then. But I, I, it's, I, I try to not judge him for it as much as maybe others might. I guess one thing that I sort of thought of when I was first thinking about this skit was he was sort of like a prototypical edgelord, you know, someone that's just saying kind of, uh, offensive things to get a rise out of people, uh, or like you said, maybe to make things awkward. But I actually don't know, like in in reflecting on this, that that was actually his goal. Like I don't know that his goal is entirely just to make people uncomfortable. I think it's like to make people uncomfortable in order to try and get them to sort of come out of their preconceived notions. Maybe. I think it's like the Borat thing that it's like the joke is both to make people uncomfortable, but also the joke is that you accepted a lot of these things at first, you know, like you kind of, you present these things and people don't immediately discount it. Cause you're like, Oh, the charming foreign man has silly notions. I think it was kind of under that. Yeah, umbrella. No, I, think, oh, yeah. I think that's a really relevant comparison. Yeah. Borat wasn't just there to say racist things. He was trying to demonstrate how if you get a RV full of frat guys together drinking, it's pretty easy to get them to agree that slavery wasn't all bad. Yeah. And on that note. Um, so let's move on from uh, Buddy on the Races to what we thought the standout sketch of this episode was. And uh, Kalina, did you find any of these like kind of to your liking? This, uh, from my perspective, was actually a bit of a weaker episode. Yeah, the episode wasn't the best. Like, Sarcastic Eye was okay, and I really love <laughs> your your rendition of it. Um, but I think when you take the episode as a package, it's actually the poker game slash women with a Y sketch, which shows that, you know, whatever you think of the buddy sketch, these guys understand what's progressive and aren't afraid to, afraid, rather, to play with tropes. So, you know, that honestly gets my vote for best sketch. Yeah. I, I love the uh, the poker sketch. I thought it was so cute. The timing is so funny. It just made me laugh out loud. How, like, incensed he was like, yeah, well, yeah, well, so. <laughs> yeah. Like, just so perfectly combative and, like, doodly. I've got to give it to the poker game as well here. Uh, I, I love the, just the sudden jump to the men wanting to have periods. And, and I'm glad we're not doing uh, our, our favorite lines from this episode so I can re- remind everyone of this amazing exchange of of someone saying they want a period, one of the other kids saying, why would you want that? And and Mike saying, might help a guy organize his time, <laughs> which is just, <laughs> I, like, I just love that that's a reason to want to have a period. I think it's a standout line. And, uh, but I agree, it's kind of a generally a weaker episode. So that, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the, the big fish in a small pond. And here. to be fair, for all these, for, for everyone... <laughs> 
who doesn't know having a period does not help you organize <laughs> Good to know. Okay, so one thing I'm going to say, though, is I don't think it's like a stinker of an episode, really, either. Like, I think it's just consistent. Um, the no. tractor skit, for instance, I think would be a great oh. gift today. Like, we should actually post that on our website if we can kind of get a little we capture of that. Yes! Um, I was going to say, yeah. it's so cute. And the poker sketch, like, for all the reasons you guys mentioned, is pretty good. I don't know if it's actually that funny it's more just like it gives you like kind of a good lesson almost um mm -hmm. and i think that the sarcastic guy is, is is a pretty solid sketch actually like he just a guy that sounds sarcastic all the time and he's alienated because of but that. you still don't know by the end if it was actually a speech impediment. I, I guess it's i hated that sketch so much <laughs> <laughs> and who was in it like who it. did it rely on oh, <laughs> oh, <boy>. fully. Oh. <laughs> Um, oh, before we go we on you. to our, our, our least favorite kid segment, uh, I'd like to actually talk a little bit about um, our next segment, which is Funnier with Repetition, uh, where we talk about like kind of a recurring bit that they do throughout the series. Um, and we could easily do Cabbage Head or Buddy here. Um, Cabbage Head is maybe the weakest point of this episode for me, though, and uh, we already talked a lot about Buddy, so I want to talk about... Uh, 30 Helens Agree. So it's just an ongoing gag that's seen throughout the season uh, where there's 30 middle-aged women in a field and they riff on an idea. And I know like some people love 30 Helens Agree and some people hate it. So yes. Hans, what do you think about 30 Helens Agree? I love 30 Helens. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is my favorite um, recurring bit of them all. Um, I like to think of it as the mayonnaise in the kids in the hall sandwich. You know, it is reliable. You can, it is always there. It's got just a little bit of tang. It doesn't have to do too much. Hans, you know? what's your favorite part um, of the sandwich? Condiment. The <laughs> but like what I love about it is that it's a, it's a very simple premise. It's an adorable premise. It's always well executed. It takes up exactly the right amount of time. Like, think about how many Kids in the Hall sketches operate on premises that are just as thin or even thinner than the 30 Helens bit, but they go on for, like, a whole two minutes. With 30 Helens, it's always this little, like, distinct vignette. You always know what you're going to get. You're going to get a statement. There's going to be some adorable old ladies agreeing with each other. Sometimes one of them will say something sassy or unexpected. In this episode, my favorite was, never trust a man who owns his own pool cue. Like, that's just, <laughs> like, that's just such a... Uh, they're just these little tiny blips of delight. Um, and then you get a wide shot of a field. And they're also always in a field. I don't know uh, everything about it. Just <laughs> yeah, everything about it delights me. It's my grandma's tasty oatmeal of the show. Oh, totally. And as a, you know, like, I mean, generally these reoccurring segments that don't include any of the kids um, is just such a, a good palate cleanser in many ways. Um, you know, it's, it's the dad slash mom joke segment um, <laughs> that kind of prepare you for something fucked up like chicken lady. Absolutely. And there's something about bringing 30 women from, like, their 30s to 80s together that just, yeah, it's just wholesomeness in a program that otherwise can take some really dark and messy. I love terms. that they all have their last names. They are all distinct Helens. They have their own personality. <laughs> well, how else would you tell them apart, Hans? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I happen to know that Stu is with me where he's not a, a, a 30 Helens convert. So I want to hear what, what Stu thinks about it, too. And I'm going to say my piece, too. 
I hate it. I hate 30 <laughs> Helens. <laughs> Unequivocally do I hate 30 <laughs> Helens. It's derivative. You have to sit through the same stupid long setup for this mm. an old lady to just float a punchline over the plate. It happens <laughs> three times. It's just like every time you think you're in the clear, a field shows up and I immediately become furious. I was actually, I remember this one because I was sitting on the couch and I, I watched it once and then I watched it again with my partner and it came, I'd forgotten that it comes up three times and the third one came up and it showed the field and I went, no, fuck you, no. And I just, I didn't, it was like a fugue state. I just yelled at the TV. <laughs> um, well, 30 Helens agree you're wrong, Stu. <laughs> Is it like oatmeal or like mayonnaise? <laughs> it's it's oatmeal mayonnaise. It's, mayonnaise it's oatmeal. It's crazy that like like Hans's like analogy like it's like mayonnaise. Like that's exactly how me and Stu see it too. But that's just a bad thing in our minds. But for me, it's mayonnaise on the oatmeal, and I'm like, it's dumb. Yeah. Okay. Now, and I don't know if I'm like quite there with Stu, where like I hate it, but like I I'm not entirely sure what the intent of the humor was there. Like, I don't know if it was, like, kind of, like, pre-internet era, like, way ahead of its time anti-humor or, like, wholesome meme type stuff, like, was what they're going for. Or if, like, it was just kind of lazy. Like, they're like, we'll have these sort of oh, half-assed no jokes delivered by middle-aged women. <laughs> You're totally oh. right. Trevor, yeah. you are the voice oh, of reason guys, and sensibility to... here. <laughs> you guys a... just have to think about it as the ginger between your sushi. Oh. Exactly. Oh. Ginger is the thing I cram at the end to feel better about the atrocity I committed to myself. <laughs> you aren't eating sushi properly. No, I'm doing it. I do everything correctly. It's That's, that's, that's a fact. <laughs> that's it. It's like the Helens itself. It's a cute skit. And then they just, they rub your stupid, they're so smarmy about how cute it is, and they rub your face in it so many times. I know, that's what makes it so good, though, Stu. I, uh, I like to... The I'm best thing about mayonnaise is how much food. there is of it. Yeah, I, I want to be swaddled in it. I want to be swaddled in mayonnaise. Anz, <laughs> you're, you're a white bread kind of guy. So. <laughs> you bet. Okay, um, before we finish the episode, I, I want to just go back to our best and worst kid of the episode segment. Um, so who do you guys think like knocked it out of the park and who stank it up? Because I don't think this was a Mark episode. So Hans, who are you going to give it to? I'm giving it to Scott this week. Uh, regardless of the content of the buddy bit, he performs the hell out of that. Um, and honestly, in as his side characters in both the sketch comedy sketch and the cabbage head, I think he was the the one who stood out. His like guy lying in a bed getting flags planted in in, in cracked <laughs> me up. So so when you're when you're stealing the show as the side character, you win the episode for me. So Scott. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm gonna go rogue with this one. Mayonnaise all the way. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't blown away by much in this episode, but the 30 Helen's Agree skit, the one where you can't pay too much for a good pair oh. of shoes. Old lady Helen Bryant. Helen Bryant, bless her soul. Favorite, oh. particularly when she reminds us, my God, your feet are what you walk on. <laughs> She honestly could have been a golden girl in another uh, life. Honestly, oh. I th I think it would be great if someone tried to round up all the 30 Helens that are still alive today. Oh, and that's just... going to be a sad endeavor. <laughs> that would be that's sad. Gonna, that like, would be very sad. Helens so many me. are dead, I'm sure. So, Stu, who, who was the best kid in your mind? Best kid for me, it's got to be Buddy. He does all the heavy lifting for the standout parts. He got us talking. He provides the most unapologetic and controversial bit, potentially, of the entire series, and he does it on a stage alone. 
gotta be yeah. ST for me. Okay, Scott. Yeah, um, I'll I'll say Scott does a good job, but I I don't know. Like the buddy character is one he just sort of leans on a lot, and it's it's not like he's got a lot of range there. So I'm gonna give best kid to David for sarcastic man. Even though I know David is is our, our least favorite kid as a group, I think <laughs> he, he does sarcastic man really well because that's always his tone anyway. So um, he also probably gets worst kid in my mind though too because I <laughs> do not like sketch comedy and I think that that, that was all David's doing. So in true he gets David best and worst. Yeah. In true David Foley universal fashion, he got a compliment for like a second that was immediately snatched away from him. <laughs> yeah. We'll grow to love you, Dave. Yeah. So I think that's it for our episode two review. Uh, join us next week for episode three, which will be hosted by none other than Hans. Woo! See you then. Bye, guys. Bye. Uh...